0: Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques, land the most desirable talent, launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Comparison shopping has no place in your hiring process. So not making a decision quickly is one of the biggest mistakes that a hiring manager can make. Often, the fear of making the wrong decision leaves people in limbo and ultimately turns them away from wanting to work at your company. Today's quote, passion provides purpose, but data drives decisions. Any idea who said that, Mr. Uh, Mitch Balzer? You know, I have no clue. That was Andy Dunn. He's the uh, CEO of Bonobos. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to provide tactical solutions to help your company's most difficult hiring challenges. We do this by sharing insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts like our guest today, Mr. Mitch Balzer. He's the... Founder and Executive Vice President of Ajima Technology, an Orange County based professional services firm focusing on enterprise, business systems, and IT security. Since starting Ajima in 2012, he has overseen many of Fortune 500 clients in the information technology, government, insurance, and finance, utilities, oil, and gas industries. Ultimately delivering a 77th ranking on the Inc. 500. Prior to Ajima, Mitch helped start another company, which drove their revenue to the top 100 in 500 ranking again. So that's twice on the Inc. 500. Good job. Mitch, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Today. Thanks for having me, Rick. I appreciate it. <laughs> a rough go for me this morning already. <laughs> My mouth's broke. All right. So, uh, today we're going to cover a few things. We're going to talk about the comparison syndrome, as I like to call it. We're going to talk about why this is detrimental to your business and then how to structure your process to avoid costly mistakes. So, let's talk about why this is important, Mitch. Why do you think this matters?
1: Well, I mean, ultimately, you know, when you're a hiring manager and you're looking to fill an opening, first and foremost, you should be able to find the, or, or locate the best candidate for the job. Sure. Plain and simple. Absolutely. But frankly, what I tend to see, and I'm sure you've seen a lot, <clears throat> is you get quite a bit of, uh, I guess, pushback where people are like, yeah, he's great, but I need to see more. And
0: why? And, you know, as a recruiter, I hate that. Oh. The worst. I think every recruiter hates that.
1: It is the worst, and, and I understand some companies have process, procedure, um, and, and rules that they have to follow in terms of their hiring process. But, you know. As a recruiter, you need to know and, and define and, and get commitment to what that process and timeline is going to look like. Otherwise, you're destined to just be left in
0: limbo. So, why do we get that? I think it's somewhat fear-based.
1: I think it's fear-based in some cases. Uh, you know, oftentimes you'll see it in a either a, a potentially a new hiring manager inside a company, um, or maybe just a kind of a mid-level manager who might be afraid to make the wrong decision.
0: Not making a decision at all, or missing out on the hire, is is probably worse than making the wrong decision. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. I mean, I've I've seen metrics <laughs> where uh, a cost of making uh, a bad hire is you know somewhere in the neighborhood of fifteen thousand dollars. But the cost of not making a hire is 2x, $30,000. Is it really? Yes. and that, that's a. Where would you find
0: those statistics?
1: Um, I found it through uh, just one of the job metrics sites. I thought it was Dice.com. Okay. Or one of those guys puts out the reports.
0: Huh. And so not making the hire is more costly than making the bad hire.
1: Exactly. I mean, an empty seat is a loss of
0: production. So That's very true. That's very true. Although, if you make a bad hire, that person doesn't. Produce and then you have to go back and redo the work that they did. Doesn't that cost more?
1: I don't think it does okay. um, because ultimately you're going to make a decision, and odds are, somebody you're not going to hire somebody who's literally going to bring zero to the table. They sure. may not meet your expectations, which is tech, you know, quote unquote, maybe a bad hire because it didn't
0: work out. Yeah. I guess it's your definition of what is the bad hire? To me, the bad hire is somebody that doesn't work out. Right. Well, and, and it's I, but, but, not I mean, able can... to do the work, or doesn't fit culturally into the environment.
1: Hundred percent. But yeah. I mean, odds are you're probably still gaining, you know, some some level of production, yeah. even though they just don't meet, you know, whether it's the cultural fit or quite the level of expectation of the role.
0: Why is it then we get hiring managers that do this? Is it maybe our interview process? Is it the fact that maybe it's just too early in the process, or is Is it the fact that they think that there's, well, I'm getting 100 resumes, so there must be hundreds of people who want to work for me?
1: I mean, it's an element of both. Um, One, you know, when they put a job posting out, for example, maybe a corporate posting, and they receive, you know, 125 applicants. Well, when you actually drill down in most cases, there's maybe a handful, maybe three, that are viable. That doesn't mean they're even hires, but they're even like, okay, maybe we could talk to this guy. Yeah. So, Maybe the manager isn't getting that data, potentially. You know, from from HR, recruiting
0: whomever it is. Um, they're just seeing that we're getting 125 responses. So hey, everybody must want to work here. 100. Um,
1: and and then, like we said, I mean, just I think the so they're delusional. Delu- exactly. <laughs> exactly. Those those pesky metrics, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, and I think part of the problem is just. Maybe not being educated about how the market is in reality. Time to market, availability, uh, how quickly you need to make a decision to, to get the candidate when they actually come in the door.
0: Wow. Yeah, because the difference of a day can sometimes kill you.
1: Time kills all deals.
0: Yeah. God, that's funny. I learned that from my mentor when I first learned recruiting mm-hmm. like 20 years ago.
1: Yeah, no, it, it, and it, it's true. I mean, time is your best friend when you're developing a relationship, and it's your worst friend when you're trying to close
0: a deal. So very true. Yeah. And hiring managers should think of it that way. I agree. Uh, waiting to see what these other interviews are going to pan out to be, that's always a tricky one because the fact is you should keep the momentum going. 100%. And
1: and, and oftentimes, I mean, I, I do understand if you have two spectacularly looking resumes and maybe two really, really strong phone interviews, so you can you, you, Get one in the door, and you really like that individual, but you also really like this other individual. Now, are there ways to keep the other candidate, the first candidate, involved? I think there are. It's not foolproof, but oftentimes a manager leaves it up to the recruiter to keep them on the line. When if the manager was the one expressing the interest and explaining
0: the situation, I think goes a long way. Well, we just had this situation happen a few months ago with one of our clients where there was two candidates we identified, both very good very different. We ended up getting neither of them. So as a result, we had to go back to the drawing board and start all over again because Mm -hmm. of the fact that we waited too long on one and the other one ended up just wasn't as great. Yeah. Well, no, the other one ended up taking a different offer somewhere else. Yeah. Again. So you never know what's going to happen. You should treat each person as if that's the only candidate you have.
1: I agree. And and you know I think part of that is your manager education, um, defining and clarifying <laughs> expectations. I mean that's that's the biggest recommendation is you literally need to walk through the course of a deal before the deal even happens. Before there's a resume involved, you want to essentially
0: role play as to how that's going to work and what the timelines are and gain commitment. It should not be acceptable for that phrase "I'd like to see who else comes through the door" to even be an option. A hundred percent. And I think that really has to do with planning. Most companies don't plan before they hire. They just say, hey, we have a need. Let's just find some people. We'll place an ad. We'll get it done. Not knowing who you're looking for, now you're you're in that shopping mode, comparison shopping mode. Well, let's see percent. if we like him better than that guy. I don't know. We'll see.
1: Exactly. I mean,
0: it, and then it, you end up not getting either.
1: Yeah, the grass is greener mentality. I mean, it applies to life in a lot of different ways. So true. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, well, we got, you know, a really good offer, but, you know, on our house that we're trying to sell, but we should maybe hold out. You know, and most realtors <laughs> will be like, that's, it's the same thing. It's yeah. like, what are you talking about? This is that ask. It's what you wanted. It's great terms, you know. So it's, it's it's very similar. It's The whole situation is applicable to a lot of walks of life in terms of transactions.
0: That's true you're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. For our podcast listeners, we're going to take just a quick break for an educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, book me to come speak at your next corporate event. You can find out more at rickgerard.com. Our guest today is Mitch Balzer. He's the founder and executive vice president of Ejima Technology, Inc. And we're talking about about comparison shopping and getting out of that mindset. So we just talked a little bit about some of uh, the reasons why it's a bad idea to have comparison syndrome and, and why it's detrimental to business. And now we're gonna talk about how to structure and avoid this costly hiring mistake. I, I do wanna go back, cause there was something that you and I talked about on the phone that was kind of interesting. For hiring managers, one of the things that you had mentioned was this ham and egg concept. Mm. So explain that to us, because this is actually kind of, I've never heard it put that way, but it's something that we do. So if you're working with a recruiter or if you're working with somebody who's prioritizing and finding people for you, tell us about the ham and eggs. <laughs>
1: so to give a, a real brief background, if you're not familiar with the ham and egg terminology, it's a kind of a golf partner, uh, analogy where, okay. you know, one guy plays really well in one hole to carry the team. And if the other guy struggles and then the next hole, you know, the other guy does well. So it's the ham and the egg, right? So some guy's great. Some guy's not really bringing up anything to the table. So
0: which one's the good one, the ham or the egg? Uh, you know, I, I would assume ham. I don't,
1: I don't, I don't know why. I, I don't know where it came from. But ham and ham and egg around the course means one guy's playing really well and carrying the other guys. So, okay. Um, to put that into perspective, if a recruiter, you know, whether it's internal or external, it really doesn't matter. If they know you're a comparison shopper, or you know, you need X, Y, and Z. They're probably going to send, if they identify a really good candidate and they don't have a second really good candidate, well, then the alternative is to ham and egg it. So you'll send a candidate you know isn't a fit or doesn't meet the minimum qualifications with the really good candidate, so they're like, wow, this guy's spectacular, and then here's my other option.
0: It makes the other guy, the other candidate, the other option look just all the better. And most of the time, they'll send the not-so-good candidate first, have you talk to them, and there's your comparison. 100%,
1: or send them at the exact same time, so the comparison is immediate. Like, wow, I mean, this guy looks amazing because I'm looking at this one that is not amazing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But sometimes those not-so-amazing-looking resumes surprise you.
1: I, You know, I mean, it, it, it has
0: happened. I've seen it happen a lot of times. You know, I find some of the best people write terrible resumes.
1: I agree. Yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing to me the value of the conversation. So you get to know that resource. So you could be like, this guy on paper does not look great, but I am telling you, he's worth talking to. I Absolutely. I appreciate
0: you. Oh, gosh, I have that fight all the time with my hiring managers. Oh, yeah. But he didn't go to this school. <laughs> Who cares? (laughs) Do you want somebody who's really good at what they do, or do you want somebody who went to school with you? Right. Yeah. Go back through your alumni list. 100%. Let's talk about how to structure this for a decision. So I'm going to let you kind of take the lead on this one. Well, I
1: mean, so you open the conversation. The manager has a need, right? And Mm -hmm. we need to, to define, okay, what is the need? Okay, we've got that all covered. Let's assume we know exactly what we're looking for then I think the important steps are to define the process. So what is the interview process? It's, you know, phone, in person, you know, et cetera. And then from there, it's, okay, so if in my shoes, what I'd like to do is I'd say, okay, we're clear on everything. I know exactly what the timeline is. I know you need to make a decision. You need to get the seat filled. If the perfect candidate walks in tomorrow, then it's the very first one you see. Are you going to make an offer on that candidate
0: right away? So you're keying in on the mindset right now. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Shifting into the mindset, which is really the or setting expectations.
1: Yeah, setting expectations, but it's also somewhat of a soft trial close, right? Because you're saying, okay, if I get you the, the right candidate, but I only have one resume and one interview for you to conduct, and if it's the right candidate— are you good to make the hire? Yes or no? And then from there, obviously, if it's a yes, okay, well, wow, odds are it's probably not. But <laughs> yeah. uh, if it's a yes, then, then you're, you're off to the races. And if it's no, then it's okay. Well, then what are the expectations? You need to do two interviews, three, four,
0: five? And then that should be immediately followed up with, well, Why? Why? Because I want to understand why that's important, that you talk to three or four people. Exactly. Do you re- And here's the thing. Most managers don't have time to talk to three or four people. You can barely get time on their schedule to set up an interview most of the time. To do one. To do one. Yeah. Exactly. So talking to three or four people is not realistic. And what's funny is uh, most of the hires that we do, I usually only submit three to four candidates before I get a hire. So... Let's say they, they talk to all four. That's still a lot of time they have to invest in that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you have to think from an in-person scenario, that's probably two to two and a half hours per candidate. Um, because it's at least, yeah, I mean, at least in some companies it's significantly more, but, you know, you'll have the manager and potentially an engineer or two or three in a whiteboard session. I mean, depending on what the job is and, you know, it's a huge time commitment.
0: Yeah. You're running time for like between three and five people normally. Yeah. And then not to mention the phone conversation time and the debrief time. You're running at least six hours of time that people can be productive and doing their job.
1: Exactly. And so, yeah, I think defining the process, gaining the commitment, gaining the somewhat of a leverage in the situation. And if you're able to accomplish that and get the manager's buy-in, you're ahead of the game. The alternative problem is is if you know that this manager needs to conduct three, four individual interviews with different candidates, it, now it becomes a prioritization. Is this the hottest job in the company or, or amongst my clients? Or is this wor- even worth pursuing yeah, if I know?
0: As a hiring manager, if you're giving your recruiter or anybody that instructions, I want to interview a lot of people, what's going to end up happening is you're way down the prioritization list. I agree. Yeah, it becomes I, unimportant to us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's 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 going to get worked on when I've finished everything else. And
0: I'm certainly not going to go out and recruit for it. No, passively. I'll, po- I'll post an ad, yeah, and if something comes, I'll float it your way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll fire off a handful of emails to some people I know, but I'm not going to go full bore on
0: it. Yeah, so that's what you're telling us when you say you want, <laughs> want to interview a bunch of different candidates. You're telling us it's not a priority to you.
1: I agree. And, you know, and, and I have some spectacular clients that they do have this model, and I'm very well aware of it. But for me, it isn't a top priority, and I still do business with them. But you know, it just kind of gets work done when I have time. You know, just being honest.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The ones who are ready to pull the trigger, who are ready to move on—that's that's where my time goes to. Hundred percent. I think you need to know who it is you're looking for. At least have an idea of the type of person, what, you, what their performance standards look like, you need to really plan out what the job is going to be rather than just taking and rehashing an old job description and saying, we need a guy like Mike. Mm-hmm. Can you find us a Mike? Mm-hmm. While that's all well and good, it gives you a little basis to run by, you really need to clearly define what the expectations are for performance and what the person needs to do.
1: I agree. And more important than, you know, you could just give me Mike's resume and I could go find Mike 2.0. I don't necessarily need a perfect job description, but I do need to know who you're hiring, right? So if I know who you're hiring, I can go find that individual. But like you said, in this market, if I can't tell them about expectations, uh, what they're actually working on, I can't sell a person on your job off of Mike's resume. No. So I do need some data points that are going to help me make you look attractive.
0: Well, today... Candidates are getting multiple offers, Mm. and even the ones that are passive that you're digging up that aren't looking. Once they start looking, once I engage them, guess what? Somebody else calls them. They're going to be open, right? So once you open that door, Pandora's box is open, and they're going to take those calls. Oh, Frank,
1: and just recently I had a resource, and I would ask him. I said, "Are you not? Is your phone not ringing off the hook?" And he said, "You know, it it hasn't been." He goes, "I'm, you know, I'm not really looking. I'm kind of passively looking." And no joke, the next day, three or four people called him. It's like my 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 phones are tapped. Like I,
0: you know, I was like, how
1: does everybody know about this guy all of a sudden? But they probably were working on very similar jobs to what I had.
0: <laughs> well, everybody's working on tons of jobs, right? Yeah. I mean, the rec load is incredible. The market's incredible. There's a lot of opportunity out there. So when you are developing people, you need to make sure that, again, you're maximizing your potential to hire that person. So hiring manager with the mindset of this is the person I'm going to hire as opposed to I'm going to compare this guy to somebody down the road.
1: Yeah. It's, it's almost as if, um, if the shoe fits, you buy the shoe. If the shoe doesn't fit, you don't buy the shoe. Yeah. So if I bring you the right shoe, are you going to buy it? Because this is what you asked me to do for you. So I went back to the stock room and I, I found your shoe. So uh, gaining that commitment puts you, at, <laughs> it's, it's like a Cinderella reference. Isn't it? <laughs> totally. But, uh, but I mean, I just, it, gives, it gives you as, as a recruiter a, a comfort in knowing if I do find the right person,
0: I'm going to fill this job. And it's a mission accomplished and everybody's going to win. Here's a little tip too. With your hiring team, make it easier to say yes than it is to say no to somebody. So mm-hmm. if they're saying no, they need to have evidence and reasons why they're saying no. It flips the process upside down and actually gets you to engage them further. If you have a concern, then address that right away. I agree. Follow up call the next day, get them on one side of the fence or the other, but get a decision made quickly.
1: You know, I mean, it's similar to our references. Every time as a recruiter, if you send a candidate on an interview and then you do the debrief phone call afterwards, you're going to say, hey, if I get you an offer, are you taking this job? You're trial closing the candidate. I get you the comp, you know, the job, you've already been there, is this a job you want? If I get an offer, are you taking it? You need to do the same thing with your managers and your clients, whether you're internal or external. If I find the right candidate, are you going to hire them? It's immediately a trial close and it gives you an opportunity to figure out what kind of ground you're standing on.
0: If you're just a hiring manager or an entrepreneur who's doing this on their own, switch your mindset. If you're gonna spend the time to bring somebody in on a face-to-face interview, Be intentional about, I'm going to hire this person. Yeah, I agree. And I'm going to look for reasons not to. (laughs) If I can, I'm going to hire this person. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so key takeaways. What do you think would be the thing that you want our audience to walk away with?
1: I mean, for me, it's that the hiring process has a cadence to it. And if you've properly qualified what that process or cadence is going to be, there's a great chance for success. And if not, if it's it's in disarray, it's undefined, it's unclear, or it's exhaustive, there's a good chance it's just going to either take forever or it's eventually not going to work.
0: And by the way, your hiring process most likely is that. It's the alternative most of the time. I agree. So get some planning and structure into place and make it a well-oiled machine.
1: I agree. And you can find guides and all sorts of help for just give you Tons basic things and then just
0: make it your own. Or you can reach out to one of us and we can help you. I'd love to. We're happy to. Hey, we're just about out of time for today's show. Mitch, thanks so much for your time, Investment Day, and I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. I appreciate it. Uh, Now, I'm sure some of the members of our audience would like to reach you. How do they find you?
1: Uh, You can find me on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash in slash Mitch Balzer, or my email, mbalzer at agimatech.com.
0: And spell Gema Tech out.
1: A-G-E-M-A Tech, T-E-C-H.
0: All right, so I want to thank our listening audience for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and Ayla Gerrard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. We need your feedback to up our game and bring more highly valuable content to you. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at higher, that's H-I-R-E, power, P-O-W-E-R, radio R-A-D-I-O.com, Or you can drop me an email at rick at stridesearch.com. Tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Lee Carher. She's the CEO and president of Double Forte. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you've been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio.